Believe in yourself, cause it starts with you And then everyone else will believe you too And if it looks like you're the only believer around Just keep on believing, don't put yourself down Just believe Our guest this week grew up in Brainerd, Minnesota Earned a degree from St. John's University Ordained a priest in 2003 He's the Director of Youth and Young Adult Ministry for the Diocese of Duluth and the Newman Center Chaplain at the University of Minnesota Duluth. His podcast of The Bible in a Year, 365 episodes, is the number one ranked podcast in the world. Known as the Podcast Priest, his name, Father Mike Schmitz. And I'm Jack Rizula, and this is Anything is Possible on 760 WJR. I'm Jack Rasula. This is Anything is Possible, and we're talking to the podcast priest, Father Mike Schmitz. Father, welcome. An honor to have you. Thanks, Jack. I'm really glad I get to be here with you. Can we start by you leading us in an opening prayer this evening? Absolutely. Yes, I would love to. There's this pray. Father in heaven, we give you praise and glory. Thank you so much for this opportunity to have this conversation. Thank you for every person who is listening to this. We ask you to please uh, meet them where they are right now, Lord God, uh, in their ears, open their hearts. Um, that they know that they matter. Let them know that uh, they belong to you. And let all of us uh, give our hearts to you more fully in this moment during this conversation. Please send your Holy Spirit uh, to lead us more and more closely to your heart. In Jesus' name we pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father. Can we start by talking about your childhood and your mom and your dad, please? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yes. So I, as you mentioned in the intro, I grew up in Brainerd, Minnesota. Uh, My parents, um, did not grow up there. They grew up uh, in the metro area of the Twin Cities, St. Paul, Minneapolis, that that area of thereabouts. Um, and my dad finished up his, I was actually born in Oak Park, Chicago, like right outside of uh, Chicago. Um, and uh, and my dad was finishing up his residency when I was born. And, uh, and they said, well, where do, we, where do you want to move? And, they, and I, both my parents knew they wanted to live in Minnesota. Uh, they knew they didn't want to live in the Twin Cities. And so they said, well, where do you used to vacation when you were kids? And they both vacationed in what is affectionately known as the beautiful Brainerd Lakes area. And so they said, why don't we just move to where we used to love the vacation? And so that's what they did. About almost 48 years ago, give or take, they uh, moved up to Brainerd, and that's where I got to grow up. And it's, I'm so grateful because, uh, um, you know, I have three sisters, and they all moved back home. They all moved back uh, to Brainerd, and, and I have a couple of nieces and nephews who just graduated and are going off to, off to college and, and um, already there. And one of my nephews, he had said, uh, as he was going back to college this this uh, this fall, he said, he said to his mom and his dad, he said, I'm so grateful we get to live where we live. Because this is, again, just like my grand, his grandparents, like my parents said, because people like those drive, drive from all over the place just to live where we live. And um, just a vacation where we, where we get to live all the time. And so I'm so grateful for that. So as I said, I have three sisters and two brothers. And uh, so the six, six of the kids. And uh, we all live in various parts of the world now. All right. I quote you now. Though raised in a Catholic family, I was largely indifferent about Catholicism until a particular experience of confession at age 15. This yeah. encounter led me down the road to asking God what he wants. Confession, Father? <laughs> it was actually, it was even the, the, the moment of grace even came before confession. It was actually, um, it was... Uh, 
I remember very, very distinctly, there was this sense that I had of like, oh my gosh, um, I, as, as you noted that I had said in the past, yeah, I went to a Catholic school and elementary school, went to mass every Sunday because it was very, that was very important. That was, that was the rule. Um, but yeah, that word indifferent is, I think, the best word I can use to summarize. Um, I was like, yeah, I'll be a good kid. I will, uh, I'll, I guess I'll go here because, you know, I, you're making me, you know, going to church, going to this Catholic school. Um, but it didn't matter. And then at one point, I was just so convicted. It was, I don't even, I literally don't even know the occasion of it other than there was an awareness. That's why I just say that this is a gift of God. It was a grace of God because it was this awareness of, oh my gosh, sin is something like that I do. <laughs> and it was the sense of, like, I, I know what the sins are, that kind of thing. You know, I, I knew that, yeah, don't break the rule or whatever. But it was a moment of the Holy Spirit. And I would say that really clearly too, because Whenever, like Satan accuses us, but the Holy Spirit convicts us. And that can sound the same at first, but it, it doesn't lead to the same place. When Satan accuses us, he just leaves us and leaves us desperate and discouraged and despairing. When the Holy Spirit convicts us, he always leads us to hope. And that's what it was. It was like, oh, my gosh, I need a Savior. And then, bing, it was like, well, I have one. <laughs> I, I, after 15 years of people telling me Jesus is the Savior, I realized, I need one, and great. So I knew two things very clearly. I knew I needed to pray. I didn't really know how to pray yet. And secondly, I knew that I needed to go to confession. And so I didn't know any of the rules. I just knew where the priest lived because he lived right next to the church. So I got on my bike and, and biked <laughs> across town and knocked on his door at 10 o'clock on a Tuesday morning, and he was home. Uh, and I said, Father, can I go to confession? Sure. Go on in. I went, went, sat down on the couch. I went to confession, left that rectory, and yeah, every everything had changed. It was it was I was so full of gratitude that uh, I was just like God, whatever you want me to do, I, I just want to do it. If you want me to be a priest, I'll hear anyone's confession anytime they ask. And that was the that was the beginning of that that part of the the journey. You uh, went on then, and you were ordained a priest in two thousand three, and you've given the talk theology of the Bible a hundred plus times. And you got that term from a former pope, a saint, John Paul II the Great, yeah, who, who you love. Yeah. What made John Paul II so special, Father? That's a great question. I mean, I think ultimately, uh, you know, not, not that you have a cop-out answer, but what made John Paul II special was his relationship with the Lord. I mean, it, there, he obviously had natural gifts. I mean, he was brilliant, uh, obviously natural gifts of being charismatic and having a just real good sense of vision, you know, even just what what people needed. Um, so he had those natural gifts, but you know, those natural gifts surrendered to God's will. It, I think it makes all made all the difference in St. John Paul II's life because it's one yeah, it's one thing to be someone who's just just gifted and skilled and, and has a lot of blessings. It's an entirely other thing to be able to you know transform hearts. And I just, and literally right now, I'm looking at a picture, a poster on my wall of uh, John Paul II elevating the chalice at a mass. And it just, the, the intensity to which you just realize he is uniting himself to the sacrifice of Jesus um, in the mass and on the cross. That just is like, yeah, that's, there, it, there, there's something else. You know, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Um, he was an army of one. And his most famous saying happened to be, also, the most used phrase in the Bible, be not afraid. Right. Be not afraid, yeah. Unbelievable. So, we're talking to Father Mike Schmitz. Make sure you stay tuned till the end of the show, as I have a special message for all our listeners. 
And I'm Jack Crisula, and this is Anything is Possible on 760 WJR. Welcome back to Anything is Possible. I'm Jack Crisula with Father Mike Schmitz. His podcast of The Bible in a Year is the number one ranked podcast in the world. Not Joe Rogan, not the Kardashians, not LeBron James, not the Pope, but a young priest from Duluth, Minnesota. You started podcasting in 2007. Your homilies. Why'd you start doing that? Yeah, that was a... um Back, uh, yeah, I was uh, assigned to be the chaplain at the University of Minnesota Duluth, where I still am. And uh, I was, I got here in 2005, and uh, we had some students who said, "Hey, you should record your homilies and put them online." And I thought that seems rather self-aggrandizing. <laughs> and they're like, "No, no, no, but that's helpful, helpful for us because you know we we're here for only a few years, and then we then we leave, and we want to hear what you have stuff to say." And I thought, "What?" That's not bad. Okay, if if I do that, then someone else has to like you know edit that and post them kind of things. I don't want to get caught up in the just. I, I know myself, and I know I would get caught up in like, oh, what do I do next? What do I do next? And it's just like I need to stay on mission. And so while I already was preaching every Sunday, I was like, well, might as well just hit record and then uh, hit stop and then upload it uh, with the help of some of the students and then former students. And so that was that was that was the reason for that. And then a bunch of years later. Um, Ascension Press had contacted me and said they wanted to start this YouTube channel um, because young people just live on YouTube. And they said, it'll be free to whoever, but we have these, you know, five to seven minute videos that just kind of explain the faith and try to communicate what we know to be true to a world that doesn't necessarily know uh, about who the Lord is. And they said, would you want to do it? I'm like, well, I guess sure. (laughs) And so, you know, someone showed up with a camera and microphone and said, okay, here's how you work it. I'm like, okay, great. And so then I started recording those. I think that was in 2015. Um, and then uh, and then in, in 2020, it was, you know, right after lockdowns in March and whatnot, I, and I found myself in a place of, it was really one of those situations where I was listening to all these different voices, right? Everyone in the news saying, we need to do this, we need to do that, like the crisis mode, because it was crisis, obviously. Uh, but I remember reading the Bible at one point during that time, and I was reading the book of Judges, and just it just struck me that, okay, things are bad, but that's not new. That things are really bad, but, but, but I'm here in the book of Judges, all of, that for generations, there was so much chaos, and there was so much um, wandering, and yet the Lord was with them. And I just thought, you know what I need to do? I need to not just listen to the wisdom of the world. I need, truly, I need to pay attention and, and get to know better the wisdom of God, the eternal wisdom. And so I proposed to Ascension, I wrote him an email and said, hey, what do you guys think about me recording uh, the Bible in a podcast that we go through the whole Bible in 365 days? And they were like, that is a great idea. Let's do it. And so that's how that, that kind of started. All right. After 14 years, you were an overnight sensation because on January 1st, 2021, you started the Bible in a year. It was the number one podcast immediately. How do you explain that, Father? That's a great question because that was nothing I anticipated. I had started recording a couple months earlier so we could get some, you know, there's a lot of editing, editing that goes into it. So I kind of got a, a, a good jump on some things. And... Uh, 
I had no idea. I, I just thought, well, this, this, will, this will probably do well with, you know, some Christians or specifically with some Catholics, but uh, had no idea. And the explanation that I would have for it is this convergence of opportunity. I mean, you have one, you have crisis, and you have people who have been living uh, since March up till in March 2020 to here's January 2021 in this place of uncertainty. And I think that that uncertainty and insecurity was, you know, pretty all-time high. Um, and then you have, uh, here's God's, God's word, and people making resolutions at the beginning of a new year and saying, you know what, <laughs> I've also, I, I think they, their experience was one of all the, all the noise, all the, the other people who are saying stuff and just being distracted and distressed by that. On top of that, you also have, how many, how many of us have said any given time, you know what I should do? I should read the Bible, <laughs> but then we just don't do it. And so one of the things that we did um, was we said, okay, well, this is so easy. All you have to do is press play. Like that's it. We're not, not making this difficult. As you're driving to work, as you are uh, brushing your teeth, whatever you're going for a run, all you have to do is just press play. And then so that, that difficulty is taken care of. The second difficulty is, yeah, but, but how do I like, uh, how am I supposed to read the Bible? And Jeff Cavins is this incredible guy who had years ago had come up with this, what he called the Great Adventure Bible Reading Plan, or timeline, where you read to the narrative books of the Bible in sequential order so you don't lose track of the story. And that's a big piece. He says, Jeff, you know, years ago had already you know, discovered that one of the reasons why people stop reading the Bible is not because they don't want to, it's not because um, it's too complicated for them, it's because they lost the story. And so because of that, we based the great the uh, Bible in a year around that timeline. So you can listen the whole time and you never lose the story. You're always connected to the story. And the third part is um, sometimes it's, it's good to have a guide. And, and that's what, that's what I do. I'll, I'll read the first part of the first part of the podcast is the Bible. And then the second part is just me trying to explain, here's what we just covered. And so uh, I think those three elements too are, are super, super important. One, it's easy. Second, you have a map, the great adventure. And third, you have a guide. And because of that, I think it resonated with people. We're talking to Father Mike Schmitz. If you want to learn more, www.bulldogcatholic.org. Bulldogcatholic.org. Back on June 7th, it was a Tuesday night, you you and Nick Davidson came to the Shrine Basilica at 12 Mile and yeah. Woodward. And there were 2,400 people in that church that night, and most of them were young people, young millennials. And you spoke, the two of you, for an hour and 15 minutes on the theology of the body, and not one of those young people left. (laughs) That's impossible. Theology of the body, how do you explain that young people are so attracted to your message, theology of the body? That's a great question. You know, you asked earlier about what what was the secret of John Paul II, and, you know, again, natural gifts and supernatural gifts, but there's also that, that when something's true and something's beautiful, I think that there is, that, that is, uh, that's powerful. When something's true and something's beautiful, that's really powerful. And uh, especially when, when it comes to a topic that people truly, even if they are hesitant to the conclusions of uh, the truth, you know, where, where it leads, um, we still want to know. And I think that when it comes to the question of love, when it comes to the question of relationships, I think when it comes to the question of, okay, so how does, what is God's plan for sex, sexuality, marriage, friendship, all the, the body? 
I think those are things that people naturally want to know about. And then secondly, when you say, actually, there's an answer, and that the church has an answer, um, that people want to know, okay, well, what is that? What, what does God have to say? What does the church have to say truly about uh, the, 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 the questions that I already have? And I think, you know, Nick is great. I think he's been on your show, and he is uh, just a gift. He's hilarious, and he does a really good job of making um, the kind of complex topics of theology of the body, of making them um, accessible. He, he applies them to his own marriage, to his own relationships. And, and so those, those examples and uh, anecdotes that he has are just, yeah, super helpful. And, but I think the reason why, you know, it resonates with so many people is because it speaks truth, it speaks beauty, it speaks to the heart. In our next segment, we're going to unpack, delve deeper into his talk, Theology of the Body. Make sure you stu- stay tuned till the end of the show as I have a special message for all of our listeners. And I'm Jack Crisula, and this is Anything is Possible on 760-WJR. This is Anything is Possible. I'm your host, Jack Crisula, with Father Mike Schmitz. He's the Director of Youth and Young Adult Ministry for the Diocese of Duluth, Minnesota. During that talk, you stated some facts, Father. God is good. God made this world good. God made this world on purpose. God made human beings in its image and likeness. God wants you to exist. Can you expound on those, please? Yes. <laughs> I think that um, when it comes to theology of the body, you know, someone will go away and they'll, they'll, they'll go to a seminar, they'll go to a talk, they'll go to, uh, actually, I remember going to an entire weekend, or sorry, week, I mean, of pretty intensive study of this very extensive, what became a book that John Paul II had compiled. And you're like, this is incredible. This thing called this theology of the body is changing my life. And the people say, wow, that's amazing. What is it? <laughs> and then no one can say because it's so deep and so rich. And, and it can be applied to so many areas of a person's life that it's, it's hard to summarize. And um, so what Nick and I have done is said, okay, what are the bullet points? <laughs> like, what are the things that you can immediate, immediately take away? And came up with, well, these are, these are it's part of the gospel, right? So that God is good. He made this world good, made you good in his image and likeness. And if that's true, then um, if you're in God's image and likeness, we say, what is the deepest identity of God? What's the, you know, the catechism says the, in Jesus, God reveals his innermost secret. And what is the innermost secret of God? Is that he's an eternal exchange of love. So, so God, love isn't just something God does. You've probably heard this before. But love is who or what God is. And here's the, the, the big launch, the, 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 the uh, connection point here is, wait a second. If God is good and God made this world good, he made you good, he made you in his image and likeness, that if the deepest identity of God is love, then your deepest identity, and your made God's image like this, your deepest identity is love. And so we're made, we actually come from love, we're made by love, we're made for love, that that is what God actually wants for us. And so and then Jesus goes on to say, love one another as I've loved you. So we okay, wait, well, how does, how does God love then? And we recognize that, that God loves us in this, in many ways, but he loves us in this self-sacrificial way, this way that, that's willing to lay down his life uh, so that we could have life. And so, making all these connections and realizing, well, that's 
That's what marriages should look like. That's what that's what true friendships should look like. And then just applying that to uh, to people's lives and saying, okay, does your marriage look like that? If it doesn't, how, what can change? Do your friendships look like this? If they don't, okay, what, how come? What, what can change? And and doing our best to again connect those pieces from these abstract realities about what God is and who God is and and, and what God is like and who we are, and then making a uh, making that connection with your relationship and your life right now. We're talking to the podcast priest, Father Mike Schmitz, www.bulldogcatholic.org. Father, I was listening to Rick Warren the other night, Saddleback Church, Purpose Driven Life, 50 million copies. And I quote him, he says, God made you to love you. And the purpose of your life is to let God love you and to love him back. That's what you just said. If there's a listener tonight that says, God don't love me, I've done so much bad, um, God ain't loving me, Father. What do you say to that listener? You know, I, 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 um, the first thing I would say is that person is probably one of the more honest people that uh, we would encounter. Because I, I will encounter a lot of people, I'll say this so often, uh, a lot of people who um, they've heard that God loves them, but uh, they don't really believe that God loves them. They believe that God tolerates them. And, uh, and that, that's a, there's a big difference, <laughs> obviously, between God loves me and God tolerates me. Um, and it doesn't even have to be, it doesn't, it doesn't even have to be, he can't love me because I'm disqualified. Although many of us have that as part of our story. We could just be, well, no, God, God just doesn't love me because why would he? I'm insignificant. In fact, I remember talking with, uh, we did a, a service trip with a bunch of high schoolers uh, about a month ago. And at one point, um, I was, this couple, a boy and a girl, were young boy, young man, young, young girl were talking. And uh, I, and I just, I, I knew her name. And so I said, uh, oh, Emma, how is your sandwich or something like this? She was eating something. And she looks up at me and she just says, wait, you know my name? And I was like, of course I do. And she's like, why would you know my name? I'm insignificant. And that, that was, that was her. I was just, my heart just broke that when she said that, this, that sense of, why would you know my name? I'm insignificant. Like I'm nobody. And I think sometimes we, that's our, that's our, our perception of ourselves when it comes to God is yes, maybe I, I feel like I disqualified myself because I've done wrong things. And that's why, how could God love me? Other times it's why in the world would he, I mean, I'm insignificant. And yet, and yet, uh, what does St. Paul say in his letter to the Romans? God proves his love for us. He, he doesn't just say it, doesn't just um, assert this as a, as a truth. He proves his love for us in that while we were his enemies, while we were sinners, while we had nothing to offer him, uh, he died for us. And, and that's just, it, I, you just come back to this place and say, how can we? Look at a crucifix and know the story. Know what, that, know what that is. Know what's going on right there. That this is the eternal God. Yes, knows everything, has everything, doesn't need anything. But that eternal God said, but what I don't have is I don't have your heart. And so what I'm going to do is I will empty myself all the way to the point of death on the chance, on the chance that you'll see that love and you'll believe in my love for you and you'll let me love you. Because that, that is, I mean, just that, 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 that's what's happening. That's what the crucifix represents every single time, is this, the depth to which, the length to which God is willing to go just for the chance 
that we'll let him love us. Okay, Father. If God is all good and total love, why do so many bad things, awful things happen? Yeah, I remember there was a, uh, a young, I worked with a lot of young people on this. There was a young woman who, um, a bunch of years ago, she said, she said, how come, and this is someone she had been through so much in her life, so much pain and so much hurt. People had hurt her a lot. Um, and she said, how come when something goes right, I have to thank God, but when something goes wrong, I can't blame him. And it was like, yeah, that's a great question. How come we say whenever something's good, we're like, hey, thank God. And then when something's bad, we can't say, what the heck, you know, God? Uh, and I thought that's a really good question. And then but we have to go back to this first truth, the first truth that God is good, meaning that the only thing to come off of God, the only thing, only stuff that comes from God is goodness. The only thing that comes from God is light, is light, is, is, is love, because, because that's his identity. It's not just something he does, he chooses to do. His identity is life, love. So the only things that come off of him are life, love, goodness, truth, beauty, these things. It's kind of like the sun in the sky, right? The only thing that comes out, I mean, simply put, the only thing the sun produces is light and heat. So on this planet, every, every experience we have of light and of heat comes either directly or indirectly from the sun. And so we say, okay, that light, that heat comes from directly or indirectly from the sun. But if something is dark or something is cold, we don't blame the sun for that. That's something got in the way of the light of the sun if it's dark. And if, if it's cold, something got in the way of the heat from the sun. And something very, very similar is true analogously when it comes to God. The only thing God gives is goodness and life and love and beauty. Our experience of evil is something either got in the way of that goodness or something took that goodness and twisted it. And, and so we recognize that, okay, God isn't the source. In fact, Scripture says that, that God did not make death and he does not rejoice in the destruction of the living. He created all things that they might have life. And so we recognize that so God's intention is life and goodness and truth and beauty. Um, it's when we take those things and twist them, misuse them, or something gets in the way of those things that we experience the great suffering and great, and great evil. We're talking to Father Mike Schmitz. His podcast of the Bible in a Year is the number one ranked podcast in the world, www.bulldogcatholic.org. Please make sure you stay toned till the end of this show as I have a special message for all of our listeners. And I'm Jack Rasula, and this is Anything is Possible on 760 WGAR. Jack Rasula, host of WJR's Anything is Possible, the weekly radio visit, brings his 15 years of inspirational storytelling to hardcover. With God, anything is possible. of Jack's more than 750 tales of defeating odds and achieving the extraordinary. Like Bob Woodruff, whose job covering the war in Iraq nearly cost him his life. And Nick Vujicic, the limbless evangelist who has stunned millions with his message of acceptance and grace. With God, anything is possible. Order now while signed copies are still available at trustinusllc.square.site. That's trustinusllc.square.site. And as Jack says, make it a great week because with God, anything is possible. Spohol. Anything is possible. I'm Jack Rasula. This is Anything is Possible. We're talking to Father Mike Schmitz, the Newman Center Chaplain at the University of Minnesota Duluth. Every one of those young people 
that get to be around you. Boy, you talk about a blessing for them. Thanks for all you do. <laughs> well, I wish I wish we got had all of the students on campus in, as part of our Newman Center. I would love that. Would be such a gift. Oh. Uh, but uh, you know, we, we just like any any other place, uh, people get we we get indifferent to the Lord. You know, we we can uh, say I'm going to do my own thing, and and I wish we had every single student on this campus. Um, you know, uh, but we just keep keep casting the net, keep putting out the invitation, and and keep praying for every one of them because uh, yeah, they all they all matter. Speaking of young people. The millennials, 18 to 35, there's 80 million of them. It's 25% of America. What do they really want and need, Father? That's a great question. I think, um, you know, uh, the, the the church has spoken about how, for years, I mean, for millennia, has talked about how, going back to St. Augustine, even before him, about how the human heart desires happiness. Um, human heart desires love, and I would say, yeah, yep, yeah, that's a that is compl- that's that's true. And uh, I would say that a lot of times our evangelization efforts are really trying to key in or tap into that desire for happiness, that desire for love, and that's that's great. That's, that's I mean, it's real. Um, but what I found recently, I found is that there's not only been a crisis of happiness because people people can get happiness from a lot of different sources, right? I mean, you can have temporary happiness, but there's an almost unlimited um, supply of things that will make you temporarily happy. And so, oh, this didn't make me happy. Well, fine, go to the next thing. You know, that's kind of a, that's one of the the ways that we pursue happiness until we become wise, like, you know, the author of um, Ecclesiastes and saying, actually, you know, I tried it all and there's nothing. So rather than happiness, one of the things that I found that resonates with so many young people is meaning. It's it's not just a quest for happiness because, again, the world can offer a certain degree of happiness. In the meantime, we recognize. But I, what I need is I need, I need a life of meaning. I need a life of significance. I can't just go from one thing to the next because what happens is all the we're surrounded by so much stuff that ultimately we say, but does it mean anything? Because I have all these opinions coming at me. I've got all these you know, talking heads, these shouting voices coming at me. I've got this expectation that's placed on me that I should live like this or do that or you know, that I should be happy constantly. Is there a place where I can go where it's not just that, but there's, does any of this mean anything? And I think when we talk and tap into that desire for meaning, that is, it resonates so deeply. When you talk about happiness, then you also talk about joy. Yeah. What's the difference between joy and happiness? Well, I think I think that um, there's a couple a bunch of different levels of happiness. Of course, there's there's kind of the the instant level of happiness that you know I had a good steak that kind of situation. There's deeper levels of happiness that um, I, I have deeper contentment in relationships. There's even deeper levels where I, I you know have altruism. I, I serve others, and so there's a sense of um, yeah contentment or sense of happiness. But a lot of times those are based off of circumstances. There a lot of times are based off of um, this particular situation. And when, when that situation changes, my happiness can leave. I think Christian joy is something different. In fact, G.K. Uh, <laughs> Chesterton was the one who said way back when, he said that joy is the gigantic secret of the Christian. And you think, oh, that's, that's fascinating. That's a bold claim to make, that joy is the gigantic secret of the Christian, because you know, as Pope Francis has pointed out, it's like, no, we don't all seem very joyful. And we sometimes uh, have like a sour look on our face, like we just flex on the lemon. And so what's that joy? Well, Chesterton was noting that, you know, back before Christianity was even introduced to the world, you had people like, say, the Greco-Roman pagans. 
And what did they believe? They believed in um, the Greco-Roman gods who, what, what about them? Well, they don't, they're not good. They're not just. If you read any of those stories, they're not fair. Um, they don't care about you. Uh, they don't love you at all. In fact, if you would, you would just as soon avoid contact with a, one of those Greco-Roman gods, and you would want to actually put yourself in, in, their, uh, in their path. And then all of a sudden, you have this message of Christianity, whereas, oh, God is good. And not only that, he's just. Not only that, he knows your name. Not only that, he cares about every hair on your head. That not only that, he loves you. And not only that, he loves you to the point where he was actually willing to die for you, to die to get your attention. And then you, you have that as, as the that that deep and abiding abiding pervasiveness, the deep and abiding sense of well-being. Why? Not because everything's always good, not because everything's always taken care of, but because no matter what my circumstances are, no matter what my situation is, no matter even if in the midst of suffering, there's a God who knows my name, and He loves me, and He is good, and that that kind of abiding and pervasive sense of well-being is what I would call joy. We're talking to Father Mike Schmitz, www.bulldogcatholic.org. Parents tonight, they say, Father, how can my husband and I stand up to this cultural tsunami that's going on today and protect our kids? Yeah. Well, you know, I, uh, two things. One is I would say you love each other as best you can. That's, that's, that's the first thing. I think that um, we oftentimes, our, our circle of interest has vastly outstripped our circle of in, influence. And so I'm very concerned with, you know, the state of global politics, but I don't participate in local politics there. I'm very concerned in, you know, the state of the family in, in the country, but I'm not actually, uh, I'm disengaged in my own family. And so I just want to say, like, wait a second. Okay, the first thing I need to do is, uh, where do I have influence, not just interest and and. and Begin there. That's the first thing. Second, I need to pray. I mean, there is a, there is a massive amount of prayer that is needed in every individual's life. But if you have a person who's a mom or a dad, that, that's a person of authority, and they've been entrusted with uh, the responsibility of caring for the eternal soul of their child or their children. And so that sense of okay, so I need to pray because basically, I want you're 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 the you're the template, right? You're the uh, the prototype, you're, the question you can ask is, if my child prays the way I pray, will they be a great saint one day or not? And you ask that, just be, make it really personal. If my child lives the way that I live, will they be a great saint or will they just be <laughs> uh, second rate? And so if, if that's the case, then maybe I need to pray more. Maybe I need to change my life in a way that actually, uh, if my kids acted the way I act, they'd be great saints. Um, I said two things. <laughs> the third thing, of course, is not just uh, okay, love people next to you, uh, love your spouse, love your children. Secondly, pray for them. But also, um, I heard a, a man who's involved with a lot of uh, um, he's involved with a lot of like exorcist ministries and deliverance ministries and stuff. And he he mentioned this as kind of a tongue in cheek. He mentioned that he said the first question whenever he gives a presentation on uh, spiritual battle and and uh, exorcism and, and whatnot. The very first question that comes up is, um, should my kids read Harry Potter or not? You know, even some of the books I think were done being written way back when, but should my parents, my kids read Harry Potter or not? 
And he said this. He, he said this to me. He said, one of the things I always tell them is um, reading Harry Potter is nowhere near as dangerous for your children and for their soul, for their relationship with the Lord, than uh, giving them a cell phone is with unrestricted access. He said, more people, more souls are lost to uh, the evil one because of unrestricted access to a cell phone, a tablet, or the computer. And just highlighting that, why would any parent do that, give their child unrestricted access uh, to the worst things the world has to offer and the worst things the internet has to offer? Um, those are, and that seems obvious, but it needs to be said. So I just said it. <laughs> Father Schmitz, thank you very, very much for all you do for fighting and being a beacon of hope. This marks our 900th Shield Night. And I've got so many people to thank, starting with the late, great Mike Feasy, who took a huge chance on me, giving me this show. Our current leadership, Steve Finitary, Mike Wheeler, who continue to support me and all of us. The magician in the background, Mark Blackwell, has carried me all these years. The miracle worker, Kelly Fisher, who's a Wonder Woman doing so much behind the scenes. The 900 guests who have carried me all these years. And lastly, you the listeners. Without you, we're not here. Thank you very much. Please join us next Saturday. Until then, I'm Jack Rosula. Thanks for listening and make it a great week because with God, anything is possible. Spawn. Believe.